thanks for dialing into our podcast. We're the Light Church Bradford here in Yorkshire, England, a church committed to following Jesus and loving our city back to life again. We truly hope and pray this week's message helps you and encourages you on your journey, especially in these really challenging times. Hello, Light Church family. Jose Zayas here. It's a privilege to join you in this all-important series, Emerge Brighter. Hello, Matt and Josie. Hope you had a good uh, holiday and are refreshed and ready for the season ahead. And to all the Light Church uh, leadership and family, uh, it really is an honor to share God's Word with you. Okay, we're talking about emerging brighter, even though we're only, most of us, by video and at hopefully the tail end of a very hard, and for many, harsh year, the big question that we're asking really does matter. For those of you who are new, we're looking at various people in the Bible, what we call the Old Testament, the first part before Jesus of God's story, to find out what kind of things were in God's people, men and women just like us, that caused them to thrive in the middle of hard circumstances and fulfill whatever God wanted to do in and through their lives. And as a side note, for those of us who follow Jesus, this is the question of our lives. None of us want to waste it and at the end of the day, wonder, man, what could have, should have happened. We want to use our lives in a way that honors God and brings the best good to the most amount of people. And so in that, we're looking for signposts of what is going to help us as we come out of a really hard season to shine brighter uh, for Jesus. And, and we need little signs of hope. I had a little sign of hope this week, and this is really small. And insignificant to you, but huge for me. I usually travel 75, 125,000 miles a year, sharing, preaching, teaching, uh, sharing the good news around the world. And the last year has been like zero, like double zero, nothing. And I, I booked my first international ticket this week to go to Malawi to speak to hundreds of pastors leading up to a, a really big outreach. The Lord willing will happen this fall. And I'm just excited to be going to a place that I love and nine hour layover in London Heathrow, which normally would be horrible, but I'm rejoicing because maybe they'll let this American outside of the gates, maybe, hopefully, and to have a proper fish, uh, fish and chips or a cup of tea, you know, for the first time in a year. That's small, but it's a sign. And, and I hope for you as, the, as we look at the life of Joseph, which we will today and next week, that you'll get a small signpost, a word from God for your life that helps you to navigate these tough days and helps you to see what God already sees towards your future. What if God were working through this year to prepare us for things that are on his heart and he wants to do in the days and months ahead. That's why we're looking at the people of the Bible. Well, today we're looking at Joseph, Genesis 37 through 50, which is a lot of ground to cover, admittedly. So do me a favor. Today, this week, before next Sunday, just take a few moments and read 37, 38, 39, all the way through chapter 50 to reorient your mind. Sometimes we think we know what the Bible is saying about someone, but it's powerful just to read it for ourselves. And then I'm just going to do some highlights this week and next. We want to look at three things. There are tons, but at least three that we can take from the life of Joseph to apply to our own soul and our family and 
our broader church family that will help us as we reemerge into this new world. Before we look at those three, let's just go through the text, and then I'm going to look at one today, and we'll look at the final two next Sunday. That's the plan. All right, Genesis 37, we see that Joseph at a young age is sold into real physical slavery. Uh, chapter 37, verse 3 says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age, and he made an ornate robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Now Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. And he said to them, Listen to the dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. And his brothers said to him, because they already knew the interpretation, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? And they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had Said now, now Joseph ends up having another dream parallel, different details that say the same thing, and they don't get excited about God speaking to their young brother. Remember, uh, Joseph is number 11 in the family line. You know, Jacob, you know, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, and then he has ultimately 12 sons. But Joseph is at the tail end in their culture, even like many cultures today, the eldest is held in the, in the high regard. In their day, literally, the inheritance goes to the oldest son. So Joseph is in no spot in his family line to claim some, like, authority or some power or even privilege. He's the nobody, but his dream that he's saying is from God is that he's going to rule. Look at what happens. Jump down to verse 19. Uh, Here comes that dreamer, they said to each other. Come now, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns and say that a ferocious animal devoured him, and we'll see what comes of his dreams. And and you thought you had family issues, right? You thought you had family uh, conflict. Think about family dynamics, and one thing we know from uh, this pandemic is that coming together, it's brought out some of the best and the worst in us. And these dreams, which should have been a signpost, God, as we're going to see, is behind these dreams. And the family can't see it, so they end up turning against him. Now, they don't end up killing him, those of you who read the story, but they throw him in this like cave into the ground and, and end up selling him off to some traveling people who are salespeople. And they're like, hey, you can have him. And they get a little bit of money. And they lie to dad and say that an animal killed him. So what is this saying so far? You might come from a, a real and this is an overly used term, so please hear me, uh, dysfunction, right? It's a weighted term. I want to be careful. But you, you may come from some really horrific circumstances, whether it's self-inflicted or just your family of origin has really been hurtful. Here, here's a word for you. Joseph understands what you're going through, and people in, in the Bible went through similar things. This is not normal, to, to sell your own flesh and blood into slavery. And really, that's the better alternative because you really want to kill him. And some of the brothers would have done it. 
even then, God, God can work in and through you no matter what your family story. And friends, this is good news. And this ought to help lift our spirit as we think about our future in God. Uh, if you belong to Jesus, then no matter what your background, God has qualified you to be useful in the big thing he's doing in the world. Well, it gets weird. Joseph gets out of it. He's, he ultimately is sold again uh, to another household to become a family slave, and that's Genesis 39. So just jump there, starting in verse 1. Now Joseph had been taken down to Egypt. Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. And the Lord was with Joseph, so he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. And when his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord gave him success in everything he did, Joseph found favor in his eyes, and he became his attendant. It's kind of like an upgrade. Uh, Potiphar put him in charge of his household, and he entrusted to his care everything that he had owned. From the time he had put him in charge of his household and all that he had owned, the Lord blessed the household of the Egyptian because of Joseph. And the blessing of the Lord was on everything Potiphar had, both in the house and in the field. So Potiphar left everything he had in Joseph's care. With Joseph in charge, he didn't concern himself with anything except the food that he ate, which is, to me, funny. The little things in the Bible, like, he didn't, you can take care of everything. Except what I'm eating, which, what do we learn from that? I don't know, but I just think that's interesting. Now, keep reading, and what we do see is it goes poorly again for Joseph. So his brothers hate him and get rid of him. He's now found favor with his boss. Even though he's a slave, he's risen in the ranks. He's given uh, responsibility. He's given probably some privilege. He's the head of this household under a really influential person. And you think at this point, you're like, wow, Joseph is grateful because his bad days are over. Not true. So one series of painful experiences is followed by another. You're going to find that Potiphar's wife sees that Joseph is attractive and tries to have a relationship, not really, just use him as a slave for her own pleasure. He says, no, he resists. And in the end is a twist. Uh, this wife of Potiphar uh, claims that he tried to rape her and he ends up getting thrown in prison falsely accused and he had done nothing wrong so family issues and yet Joseph can emerge out of that with a faith in God and now you, you thought you had work issues or you thought you had issues in, in the neighborhood Joseph is in the is in the worst scenario possible but notice the pattern God blesses him uh, even with his family issues and their dysfunction and their hatred, God's hand is still on Joseph. And even though he's hated by his brothers, he can emerge. And even though he's hated by his boss's wife and he's maligned and lied to and thrown in prison, he he somehow emerges out of that. He He's thrown in prison, but yet God is with him. How do I know that? Jump down to chapter 39, verse 20. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him and he showed him kindness and he granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. So the warden 
put Joseph in charge of all of those held in the prison, and he was made responsible for all that was done there. What, what do we see as a pattern in Joseph's life so far? We see trouble followed by God's blessing. We see hatred followed by God's blessing. We see lies followed God by God's blessing. Joseph is able to hold on because remember, he's the son of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Now his dad had obviously told him about God's big plan that somehow through their family line, somehow, someway, God was going to bless the world. And so Joseph is aware of what God's doing in the big picture, and he applies that to his soul. So even though his family hate him, he's able to come out of, out of it, even though his boss is lied to by the wife, and she hates him, and he's thrown in prison. And now even in prison, what do we see? Somehow God's blessing, God's presence is with Joseph, and he rises in the ranks, and, and he's a leader. And what does that say uh, to us? Well, we see the perspective. I'm going to jump ahead and give you one thought for today, and we'll pick up on this next week on what we can apply in our own life about how we're to emerge brighter in Bradford or wherever you're watching from. Genesis 50, 20 summarizes all of Joseph's life. Let me just read it. This is Joseph speaking to his brothers in the future, jumping ahead of the story, when Joseph rises to be a leader in all of Egypt. You intended to harm me, he says to the brothers, and they did. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Somehow, when he gets this dream, he's able to see, even though the brothers hate him, that God was going to turn it for good. And and when, when Potiphar's uh, wife, when she lies about him and he ends up being falsely accused and thrown in prison... God is going to turn it for good when he's in prison. And we're going to see next week some more hatred, some more hard times. God is going to turn it for good. So a couple of questions that I want to ask, and let's just think about, you know, one thing that we want to highlight. Um, what has Jesus made clear to you? Because what we see in Joseph is Joseph holds on to God's promise through it all. And that's the first principle. Joseph is able to hold on to God's promise no matter what's going on in his life. And I think we need to look at our circumstances in light of the promise of God. So what has God made clear to you? Uh, what are Jesus's promises to you? Now, for some of you, especially if you're new to following Jesus, or you're not yet, but you're considering the claims that he has, and you're thinking about trusting in him, what you're going to find is God has big promises for the world, the big thing God's doing, but there are also specific things that he has for you. And so Joseph is able to lay hold of God's promises and say, you know what? Those haven't been completed yet. For him, it was that dream. Somehow he's going to rise and he's going to be given a place of leadership and, and blessing. And, and, and he waits for it. Now, when I was a kid, I'll be honest, I had a sense at a young age because my parents started following Jesus when I was young. Faith was new to them. They didn't grow up in strong Jesus-following households. They got married, had my brother, my older brother, myself, and then someone shared the good news with them. Long story short, they became followers of Jesus and the Bible became alive to them. And because of that, as a young age, I learned, as my parents were learning the faith, and I had the sense, I don't even know why, 
that, that God's hand was on my life for something bigger than me. And I didn't know what it was, but I had that sense of my soul. But by my teenage years, uh, we had really rough financial times. I won't get into the details, but my dad was let go. His company was downsizing and making redundant lots of people in middle management. That's what my father was. And so during my high school years, my father was either unemployed because he was overqualified or underemployed because he was overqualified. And, and we had real lack. When I say lack, I mean, there were times in my teenage years that we did not have enough food for dinner. And we didn't know if we were gonna have electricity next month. So I understand those of you who at the light, you know, that you serve for people who are in physical need and you help with the food pantry and you help with those who may be in a rough spot right now. God bless you because that was my family in my teenage years. But I'm here to remind you that even through that, what I looked at as the hardest time in our life, now everything's clear in the rear view mirror, so to speak. When I look back at those experiences, at the time, it drew a desperation. I, I didn't just pray, Lord, thank you for my wonderful meal, or Lord, you know, will you help me have a good holiday? We didn't know if we were going to eat. We didn't know for years if we were going to be thrown out of our house for a lack of a payment. And in those moments of desperation, I found a real ongoing dialogue with God. And so looking back, I didn't let go of that promise. I knew that he had some things for my family and my life that were bigger and that he would bring us through. And that's what you see in Joseph. God brought him through. And, and now I can see like Joseph at the end of his life, Genesis 50, where he's talking to his brothers, what you meant for harm, God was bringing for good. He was able to forgive them because he saw the big picture. And now I look back at those teenage experiences as God's breeding ground for faith and trust and character and perseverance that I would need in my life in my 20s, 30s, and now in my 40s, in my serving Jesus, I needed those challenging experiences. And what does that say about us today? It says that even though we've all been through a collective, horrific, uh, challenging year plus now, we shouldn't let go of the promise of God. Joseph didn't ignore, he remembered the promises of God. And what God has started in you, my friend, he will bring to completion. So I have one line that I want to leave with you for this week that, that hopefully will build for next week. And maybe this will be just a word of hope for you for the next seven days until we see each other again. Don't let your current problems overshadow God's clear promises. Let me repeat that again. Don't let your current problem overshadow God's clear promises. There are so many reasons we can shrink back in our faith because of our current circumstances. But don't you forget what God's promised you in Scripture, in His Word, what He's promised you by the Holy Spirit and prophetic words spoken over your life, what He has promised to do that you know is true, He's going to do it. And don't let your current problem overshadow the clear promises spoken to you, you. We can learn from Joseph. Joseph remains faithful through it all. Humble, teachable, consistent, 
character, inner strength through it all. And you know what? No matter how you've slipped in the last 12 to 15 months, by God's grace, you can stand strong as well. I'm going to pause uh, on that thought and we'll pick it up next week. Lord, by the Spirit, we're inviting you now to make your clear promises clear in our soul so that we can live with resolve this week, with courage this week, and hold on to your clear promises no matter what our current uh, problems and challenges. By God's grace, may you hold us this week so that we'll live by faith and emerge brighter. In Jesus' name, amen. We'll pick it up in the life of Joseph next Sunday. Thank you so much for listening. Hey, you made it to the end. That's even more encouraging. If you'd like to find out more about who we are, visit our website at thelightchurch.org.uk. We pray God's blessing on you now as you go into the rest of your day.